3: Ron and Anya. there were fifteen year olds in Europe driving and they learned to drive on stick, and that that trend continues. Do so you want to take a guess at what percentage of the cars are manual transmission?
4: Probably less than one no, percent.,
3: it's actually a little more than that. It's about three. It it it
0: the car doctor,
5: I was wondering, does anyone have any thoughts about um, converting existing uh, internal combustion engines?
0: to use
3: natural gas. No. Why haven't we we converted from gasoline? And that's a fair question. Welcome to the
0: radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call
3: in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome aboard. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here at your service. We've got a busy hour. I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about. I'm seeing some of the comments up on the Facebook page from a previous hour, especially Helen Foley. God bless Helen Foley. She's there before me up on the Facebook page. I think she's ready to do the show before I am each and every week. Uh, we thank you for being such a loyal listener, and uh, she's made some comments about how the gas prices are affecting her driving habits. And I've got some other comments as well. And if you've got some comments about how are the gas prices affecting your driving habits or your choices or what you're doing or you've got some thoughts on it, we want to hear it. Where's your point of pain on the price of gas? Where or is it going to be where you say, okay, enough is enough. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make some changes here. We're just out of curiosity because we're just seeing it's now up uh, a buck and a quarter, almost a $1.50 a gallon here in New Jersey since uh, the beginning of the year. So uh, we want to know what your thoughts are on that. If you've got any questions about automotive maintenance regarding, hey, how can I get better fuel economy, I'm here to answer those as well. But, of course, we're here to answer all your car questions at 855 And let's start right out of the gate with Jeff in New Jersey with a 2000 Chevy Malibu. Jeff, welcome aboard, sir. How can I help?
6: Yes, Ron. Okay. Uh, First off, I am a proud owner and the original owner of a 2000 Chevy Malibu with the 3.1 V6 automatic trans engine. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'm a little uh, bemused here, confused, because everything seems to be running okay. But anyway, the check engine light came on back in August. Okay. She came on for about three weeks, went out for two weeks. All right. And uh, then she came back on September the 14th for about three weeks or up until I had body work done on the car where they have, you know, disconnect the battery and all that. Right. And it was off for five days. Came back on again. So I said, gee. I'm going to have to take it to AutoZone to see what's going on. So I, I brought it there three times. The first time I had it done, the uh, you know you plug in the thing, and you have the uh, fix finder report. It said I had something related to the uh, power train. They said that it was um, the problem solution probably was related to the gas cap. Well, I had just bought a new gas cap a month prior, so I was a little skeptical. Then two weeks later, the you know, the check engine light's still on. And so far she has, up until today, she hasn't done any flashing. She comes on steady, you know, but no flashing, thank God. Okay, the check engine light came, uh, came on. And I checked it again the second time. Sure enough, I got the code uh, p one, eight, eight, seven. And two weeks later, the same code. All right. So I, you know, I mentioned it to my mechanic. I said, I'd like to have it scanned. He was too busy, but he did recommend me to a, a transmission specialist who he claimed was very reliable. But my question is, um, he seemed to imply that it's related to my solenoid in the transmission you know, because it says that you know it's the TCC release switch malfunction. Torque right you know, clutch. Is the code, right? Yeah, P one eight eight seven. Okay. Then it says repair faulty wiring at transmission. All right, but hang, so far I, it couldn't.
3: Hang on, hang on a second here, uh, Jeff. So let's back up. Yeah. Um, first of all, AutoZone is not a diagnosis. AutoZone is just information. Mm-hmm. AutoZone, AutoZone, right. all the all the auto parts stores, all of them when they scan a vehicle and tell you what the code is all right all that is right. good all that is good for in my opinion is can you continue to drive the car to get home or is it a matter of life and death you're going to hurt something if you continue to drive it if you use mm-hmm. if you use an auto parts store scan as a diagnosis yeah you know like mom said you get what you pay for all right so yeah. free is free yeah. is, free is worth free, free. so let's take it from yeah. there how many miles are on this malibu yeah. How many miles on this car? Uh, two, two
6: hundred twenty-five thousand.
3: All right, so it's a higher mileage vehicle. It's just broken, and I, I like this generation Malibu. My wife had an O four, and she'd still have, or O five, and she'd still have it. But it just got to the point where two hundred thousand miles, or whatever it had on it, I decided it was time because I was starting to see parts availability issues on certain things that I didn't Ooh. like. Yeah, and that's a concern. You know, yeah. this, this vehicle is now your vehicle is now twenty two years old. So you've always got to have yes. that in the back of your mind. So let's talk about the two fault codes that AutoZone came up with. One talked about a gas cap. One's talking about a torque converter clutch issue inside the transmission. The gas cap fault yes. probably, I'm going to guess, was, say, a P0456 small EVAP leak. That's generally the one that triggers yeah. the, hey, you need a gas cap. Yeah. Right? Probably, it said, I
6: remember
3: now. you know, maybe it needs – it was a 456, right? You know, maybe so. yeah. yeah. Maybe it needs a vent solenoid. Maybe the purge is leaking, but that would have to be scanned again and some diagnosis, yeah. a smoke test, looking for a small leak. We're looking for a, a pimple on a fly's behind when we're looking for an EVAP small leak. So, And that won't stop the vehicle in its tracks. And I won't say that that won't hurt anything, but the issue there yeah. is if, if the check engine light came on for an EVAP fault, And that's all that was wrong with the car. You could drive it coast to coast without having an issue in most cases where the problem comes up. If the vehicle develops another problem, the light doesn't change color. It doesn't turn on and off unless it's a misfire it doesn't increase in intensity in terms of brightness you don't know you have the second problem and you start to you know accumulate issues as the vehicle ages and now all of a sudden a year and a half later hey i gotta go through inspection and now you find two or three faults in there that you haven't taken care of Yes. so so it's to your advantage to deal with this now let's talk about the 1887 the 1887 is an indicator this vehicle has a torque converter clutch what does that mean you ever ride a mini bike as a kid? You ever have a mini bike?
6: Yeah. All right.
3: Yeah. Centrifugal clutch, right? Right. Okay. A centrifugal clutch for those that maybe didn't have a mini bike back in the day is it's a metal drum with some sort of friction shoe. We'll we'll say asbestos, even though the EPA probably shut us down because we're talking about such a dangerous thing as asbestos, which it is. All right. That under specific speed centrifugal force would push the shoes out into the drum, lock it. And drive the minibike. It was a centrifugal clutch, all right, based on speed yeah. and load. A car, yeah. a car uses that by taking the torque converter. The torque converter is think of two fans. If you took two floor fans and put them in front of each other, if you turned one yeah. fan on, it would eventually spin the other fan. All right. So okay. yeah. a, a torque converter and a transmission does that with fluid. One side is the drive fan side, the other side is the driven fan side. So fluid drives between the blades pushing the other side, that's what turns the input shaft of the transmission to propel the vehicle. Well, under certain right. conditions, they want to mechanically lock those two fans. All right? So oh, they they, they got to be in sync. Right. Well, not that they got to be in sync, but they've got to be applied so they they ground the torque converter clutch solenoid. Which opens a passageway of fluid inside the valve body, inside the transmission that applies fluid yeah, the valve body. and locks the converter. All right? Now, the difference yeah. in RPM coming out the output shaft of the trans versus the input shaft of the trans with torque converter on and torque converter off is how they know the torque converter clutch solenoid released. All right? Make sense so far? Yeah, so far. The 1887 comes up because the computer said. Turn off the torque converter clutch. It expects to see a change in RPM signal and it doesn't. Oh, I see. All right. So, you've either yeah. you've either got a torque converter clutch solenoid that's staying on, a problem in the valve body, or yeah. a bad torque converter. The torque converter's not yeah. releasing. Now, the yeah. easiest thing to change Is the solenoid, which I believe is part of the valve body, I'd have to go back and look in two thousand. All right. Yeah. You know, you're you're at that funny stage. You're at that funny age with this vehicle. You're either going (laughs) to try. You know, if if you've got a simple repair, if the torque converter clutch repair is, I don't know, put a number on it. In my mind, it's got to be seven eight hundred bucks or less. Because the minute the minute you break the thousand dollar barrier at two hundred twenty five thousand miles, you might as well put a trans in it. Uh, you know you're you're yeah. at, you're at that point a, a trans will be and I'm north jersey I can tell you 3 grand 3500 bucks that seems to be what the trans shops are getting but yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know at least you know what you got because you've also yeah. you've also got to be concerned with quality of fluid dirt and sediment that's built up in that vehicle over time and yeah. if the solenoid is clogged or restricted with particulate from clutch material from yeah. the transmission Eh, you know what? It'll work for a month, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. So oh, I, I, I I think the yeah. I think the bigger conversation with the trans guy, all right, is if yeah. it's if it's not the solenoid, could it be the trans? Something internal, and then what would that cost to repair? What's the price difference between the two? It's simple, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, because I yeah. can I can tell you this. Let's say he says it's three grand. Three grand still cheaper yeah. than three grand is still cheaper than thirty. And it's it, it sounds like this yeah. it, it sounds like this car kind of fits you like a like a comfortable shoe. So it sounds like you're very comfortable with this vehicle. And you know, as long as the rest of it's in good shape, they are good solid engines, as long as there's no major rust on the chassis or the floor pan and the brake lines and everything else looks okay. Three grand's not a lot of money. Even four grand. It's you know, it's cheaper than a new car right now, which you can't really buy that easily because of the shortage. So I hope that cleared it up for you, Jeff. You got any other questions, you know where to find me. And as always, I appreciate the call. I'm running Any in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this. Don't go away.
2: Follow the Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
7: For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. By the way, Tom is um
3: that your Halloween costume? You're scaring
7: me. Yes, it's the uh, Ronananian mask. <laughs> I picked it up at the uh, at the late, at the you know at the Halloween store. Uh, they said it was the scariest one out
3: there. So somebody was telling me this week that um, their kid wants to go out. Now I tell you what, see, I've inspired Halloween costumes. Um, uh, two of the women at the gym that I work out at, uh, they their customers, and they're telling me how their kids are going to go out as mechanics. One's going to go out in the traditional suit, and the other one's going out. They got them a little doctor thing with the bag and the stethoscope and the silver thing that sits on his head and the kid wrote they wrote car doctor on the front of the, see that halloween car doctors um trick-or-treat smell my feet give me something good to eat it's a um, car like doctor erupting yeah. kids everywhere yeah, that's it so it's just what a terrible thing i'll tell you what i was at the real quick i was at the bagel store this morning because i was bad i had a bagel today but i did have it hollowed out i got a hollowed out bagel which i don't know if that really probably illegal in new jersey and um there was a little kid there dressed in a horse's costume without the hat on and he's playing with cars all over the floors, you know, zoom, zooming the cars over the, the floor and the counter and everything. And I started talking to the mom and dad and they said, yeah, he loves cars. We we take his cars away. They took the cars away. The kids started screaming and yelling. They gave him the cars back. The kids comp. Um, I said, he's going to be a mechanic in the future. And we started talking. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just nice to see you got to nurture that whatever that is about the kids that they like when they're young. And I think a lot of parents today, the father said to me, he goes, "Only if he could only grow up to be a mechanic, I could get a discount when I bring the car in because I can't seem to find anybody to fix it. Then my order came up and I left. I didn't want to tell him who, who was that masked man. I can't go there. So um, let's go over to Lenny. But you know what? It yeah. sounds a lot like you. You take your cars away, you start kicking the scream. Yeah, it's, it's right. You take my car away, you're in trouble. So let's get over to Lenny in Connecticut, O2 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Lenny, welcome to the car doctor, sir. At your service, how can I help?
5: Hello, Ron. Uh, yeah, 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Uh, problem initially started. Uh, it was overheating. It ended up cooking the motor on it. Uh, I replaced the engine, and from what i seen, it was a common failure with these was the fan relay right. on the frame rail. So I put the engine in. I replaced the fan relay. I didn't do any diagnosis. It was cheap enough at the time. I just threw it in there. Got it going. Uh had it running every day fan came on when it was supposed to and uh yesterday i had it running i was cleaning the interior on it and uh shut it off and i heard the uh, uh heard it boiling over
3: so the fan so, stopped running
5: fans fan stopped running okay so uh from what i found on the internet uh i got the one wire going to the fan relay which i have battery voltage to right there's a reference reference wire which is a uh, light green uh i think it's supposed to be coming from the pcm yep so the key, key off uh, Here, here I, I have a snap on test light well it's, it's yeah,
3: test lights are good but let me let me ask you this how good are your eyes okay
5: Oh, uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
3: Can you tell the difference? Can your eyes tell the difference between nine volts and twelve volts using a test light bulb? Not really. Right?
5: Well you have, right. a, you
3: have, you have a voltmeter? Yes, I do. But All the right. test
5: light I have from Snap on shows the voltage reading
3: on it. Okay, good. Then we're okay. All right. Okay. I like that. All right. You should have you should have power on the gray wire at the fan relay. All right. I do. And then, you know, you should see ground when the fan reaches the temperature on point, ground control is on that light green, okay? What are you, at 2002? So, yeah, you're a light green. Um, You should see that get grounded. So you should have power, all right? And then when the fan's being commanded on, you should see that signal go away, right? Because the PCM's going to pull it to ground. All right? And and that's when the relay should close and the fan should turn on.
5: Okay, so this is... So I, I put the test light on the light green. I got 4.5 volts to it. Started it up, the voltage reading goes away. Turn the AC on. Still don't have any. So I'm not supposed to have a voltage reading. Here, do this.
3: On. Do this. Do this. Okay. You got an you, Do you have a headlight? An old headlight laying around? Uh, yeah. Okay. What if you unplug the fan and mm. put that relay across the contacts for the for the fan connector? Okay. All right. So, when the fan is supposed to turn on and you can see this work, this is a good visual. All right? All right. You'll hook you'll hook the headlight up to the fan connector, power and ground, and the headlight mm-hmm. won't be lit. Okay? You can you can actually do this a different way. You can have your power come in on your gray. All right? And if you'd like um, either and be careful what I do, what I tell you to do here cut that light green wire at a place where you can solder and repair it or okay. dis- disconnect that green wire somewhere along the way in the circuit so now you're going to provide the ground control. Okay. All right? You ground that light green wire, that should close the fan relay and turn the headlight on, right? Correct. Okay. Then you can watch put your, put your light green wire back together. You don't have to do it this way, but just it's just a good visual. When you see that ground... That wire, when you see the PCM ground that wire, change of state. If you had 12 volts there until you turn on the AC or until it gets hot, right? You'll see a change of state. You'll go see high voltage go to low voltage. When that relay closes again, if the fan motor doesn't run, maybe you got a bad fan motor. Right? Always possible. So do those tests. Call me back. Let me know what you find. I'll be curious. And uh, I think you're on the right track. I'm Ron of The Car Doctor. We are back right after this. We're on name, the car doctor here at your service at 855-560-9900. By the way, let me point out, Tom Ray is looking for victims, I mean callers, to uh, call in and uh, we're going to get you guys on. We want to do a tape-to-air show coming up in two weeks for the big wedding show. And, uh, um, you know, I, I thought I'd let Tom run the show that day, but, you know, if I said, here's Tom Ray, the car doctor, and he'll tell you everything he knows about cars, it would be, what, two, three minutes, Tom? How much longer could it go on?
7: That long? Yeah, I give you
3: credit for that. You know, you know how to put gas in the car. Uh, I know how to put
7: gas in the car. You know I know how to, how to scan the car. You
3: know how to scan the car. I've taught you that. I, you, you know how to I, start it. I know it. how
7: to change the oil.
3: Right. You know how to change the oil. You've seen us do it enough times.
7: Um, right. Well, that would be the show. I, 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 <laughs> I now know how to change the battery once you took half of my car apart to do so. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? Uh, oh, when, my goodness.
3: When you saw that, it's, it's you know, it's I, you know it's funny. I was watching a YouTube, before we go to the phones, um, I was watching a YouTube video this morning And it was a Chrysler sales promo for the 1970 Chrysler Imperial, and they were marketing it against the 1970 Lincoln Continental. And just talking about the differences in the cars and the things we looked for and the high-tech, you know, high-tech in 1970 on a Chrysler Imperial. It had a warning light to tell you when you were running low on gas. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. How cool is that? Right? <laughs> Back that, then, that was pretty cool. And that, and that was a selling point. And they're saying, the 1970 Lincoln doesn't have that. Hey, if you're so stupid, you're driving along, you can't watch your gas gauge? You should run out of gas. Come on.
7: Come on. Oh, gosh, I had a teacher in school one day. He came by the house. He drove by the house. He's, hey, Tom. He's waving, waving, waving. And all of a sudden, his car ran out of gas. It was like, really, dude? Yeah. So me and a couple of the neighbor kids had to push him up to the corner gas station to get gas. Did you you pass that year? Did he let you go? Uh, Yeah, we told him we'd never tell if um, he kind of, you know, let us slide by. (laughs) Is that how you got to where you are? I knew something had to happen. Uh, Hey, I was thinking. Yeah. I'm gonna stop tomorrow night. There's a first. You and I can go out and do the adult version of trick or drinking. Yeah. Tra- trick or treating. Trick or drinking. We get a couple of shot glasses and go trick or treating, yeah. drinking to all the neighbors' houses.
3: Listen, if everybody wants to come to my house, because I got news for you, we bought this big giant bowl of candy. Uh huh. I'm gonna get two kids, and then I'm gonna yeah. get. Some- oh
7: yeah, that's the way it works every yeah. time.
3: I keep saying we got to give out dollars. Each kid gets a dollar. I'd spend two bucks. The price of a bag of candy was seven
7: dollars. Bo- I'd save five bucks. You know, it's funny, when my daughter was in vet school, the street she lived on was right off of a town, you know, town circle, a town center. And they used to close the street on Halloween. They would get over a thousand kids. Yeah. Literally. It, it was all Halloween up and down the block. I mean, we bought her a $100 bag of candy one year. They went through literally everything in that bag.
3: Oh, for the days!
7: All right, let's get back to oh, the yeah. phones. Let's go to Stephen Maryland.
3: Stephen Maryland, how are you, sir? Thanks for the patience. How can we help?
4: I'm doing good, sir. And uh, here's my issue: I have a 2019 Toyota Rav4 Hybrid. Right. I don't have any check engine lights. I never have. Uh, vehicle's running fine, but I have a question about the uh, battery charge system. Uh, we. Don't do a whole lot of uh interstate driving. It's usually around town but uh even so uh the charge indicator on the uh on the dash says uh at the most, I'll have six out of eight green bars saying that, indicating the state of charge so 6 out of eight, a total of 8. Right. And I've never ever ever seen it go up to 8. And uh I'm just wondering what's going on there. Uh I would think that if I was going down a long hill eventually it would go up to uh 8, but I've never seen that. Okay. And I wanted to ask you about that.
3: So, how many miles are on the car?
4: Oh, uh, less than 16, 15-something.
3: Right. I think what you're seeing is one of two things. I think, A, it's a normal condition, or there's going to be a software update for that vehicle that will correct how it displays. And the reason I say that is based on this. Over the, over the past 15, 18 years, what I've seen with the hybrids, particularly Toyota, Toyota engineers one of the better hybrids in the marketplace, I think. I think they make a really solid hybrid vehicle. And that their their vehicle is it's almost over engineered. Uh, you know, don't tell anybody this, but if I were to if I were to buy a hybrid, it would be a Toyota because I, I think they make a real quality product. That being said, they monitor that system by computer for more than a more than a few reasons of why and if and what if there's a fault type of an issue and the fact that you don't have any dash lights on any warnings any check engine light and so forth, tells me that provided there are no fault codes, that it hasn't detected a fault. And the reason it may be displaying incorrectly is because it's possible that the software that runs the test needs to be updated. All right? So what what I'm going to tell you to do is talk to your Toyota dealer and explain it to them just the way you explained it to me and you know if you register it if you walk in and say hey you know charging or battery system does not show 100 percent under any condition in my mind that should be a warranty visit don't be afraid of going to the dealer and explaining these things to them and simply because i want you to get it while it's under warranty although you have a long way to go you know if there's a software update great if there isn't i think the answer they're going to tell you is that it's operating as designed and that's okay Because, as you say, the vehicle runs normal, correct?
4: Yes, it does.
3: You you know, no issues, no problems. So, I have not...
4: No check engine light ever.
3: Right. Uh, Now, and and part of this is based on, uh, I think it was probably eight or nine years ago, there there was a version of Prius that had issues with how it displayed battery charge rate, whether it was fully charged or not, and a software update resolved it. So we, we look at software updates a lot in a situation like this. It's a great place to start because it may just be a normal condition that's not being displayed properly. Makes sense? Sure. Okay. Uh,
4: yes, sir. Uh, well, you know, I've got a couple of uh, cordless lithium-ion uh, drills at home and I keep those on charge all the time. As a matter of fact, when the green light comes on and stays on on the charger, I'll disconnect and plug it back in, and uh, it'll start blinking again, showing that it's taking a charge. I'll do that over a period of several days until the light stays on and never goes out. And uh, I've heard people say that uh, you don't want to overcharge or... Uh, prolonged a charge on a lithium ion battery, but I'm not seeing that as as the uh, the real world. I've had these batteries for my uh, cordless drills. I've had them hell over probably close to eight years, anyways, right. and uh, I still have the original batteries.
3: Right. What 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 brand battery? What brand drill are you using?
4: I'm using a uh, Craftsman. Okay. And they're uh, kind of an oddball. Voltage, I think it's eighteen
3: point two. I think right, yeah, something particular. just or Maybe event. it's
4: nineteen
3: point
4: two. Okay, but uh, yeah, they they've always worked very well.
3: Right, I wouldn't. And 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 as much as and I understand, I think I understand where your mind's going, Stephen. That you're comparing the one to the other, even though they're both a lithium ion. Um, and not every Toyota's a lithium ion. I, I think there's also some. Uh, metal nickel hydride batteries in some of these cars too i thought i read that somewhere as well but my point becomes don't compare the two completely because they are different technologies different systems obviously different applications so uh, okay. but but i respect what you're what you're thinking i get i get your line of thought if this shows 100% why doesn't that show 100% and, you know, it's a brave new world. It's time to ask the question because, like I said, it may just be a software update that reflects and changes. You know, they, when they design cars, and I'm amazed, if you think about it, how well engineers design cars. You ever think about the fact that they've got to design a car that works the way it does in Maryland, Florida, Southern California, Texas, Alaska, and, you know, in all points in between the temperature variation, the climate, the environment, the, the operating characteristics, they actually do a pretty good job. And then they come across a guy like you who's put, you know, less than, what, 6,000 miles a year on a three-year-old car. And maybe it's not enough to charge the battery. Maybe it displays wrong. Maybe it doesn't. And they need to do a software update. Make sense? Right. You know, it just, it just, it's, it's, so it's just time to go back and ask some questions. All right, kiddo?
4: All right. Well, I'm definitely going to do that.
3: So, And if you have any other issues, you give me a call.
4: You be well. I will.
3: Thank you, sir. You take good Thanks. care. You're welcome. I'm Ron and in the car doctor. We are back right after this. Don't go away.
6: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
3: Welcome back. We're on the name of The Car Doctor. Let's get down to Florida and talk to Stanley, 07 Mustang and a blower motor problem. Stanley, you're on with The Car Doctor. What's going on?
5: Good afternoon.
3: Yes, sir.
8: Um, I bought this car about a month ago. It's had a lot of work done to it. The AC, I do mechanic work for a living. I hate to tell you this, but I do it. Okay. Um, but the AC blower motor, there's no juice or electric going to the switch. i checked the fuses. I've checked the relays. And that whole system now is nothing's working on the heater or the fans. Nothing. That whole system is no longer working.
3: Okay, but... but the ac the compressor comes on and and so it goes Nothing. through the motions okay so Nothing. you can you can get to the blower motor yes sir all right you got two wires at the blower motor yes all right you got a pink you got a pink white and an orange black right
8: i take your word for it. i'm in the house right okay now. this is house
3: so so write this down the pink white's going to be hot key on engine it's hot not. it's not so then you got yep. you got to go back and trace that that's power that's, okay. that's back to the fuse. you got to go find the fuse for the blower, which should be in the... I believe it's in the uh, under-instrument panel fuse block. I don't know the fuse off the top of my head, but why is that fuse blown? All right.
8: I'll check into... I've checked the fuses under the hood. I also checked them on the 2007. It's on the passenger side, the kick panel. Okay. Underneath the glove compartment box.
3: Well, I've pink, checked all those fuses. Well, pink-white actually goes back to wait a minute now pink white if i recall correctly thinking about it goes back to there's actually a blower motor relay in the electrical center in the battery electrical center under the hood okay all right so you've got a relay which is a standard 87 86 and a 30 relay you know what the pins pink white is controlled and that request comes from the blower motor request control out of the climate control assembly so we've got to find out a if that relay is working, and b if the 30 amp fuse that powers the relay is working.
8: All the fuses under the hood are, I mean, the box are fine. I checked them with a test light. Okay. And the fuse, what you're talking about that relay, they said the one in front of it hits the high beams. If your high beam works, swap them. I swapped them, and that thing's nothing's working.
3: Okay. So then we've got to find out is that relay getting a ground request? Well, there's only one other possibility: that relay, that blower motor relay, is is uh, off the smart junction box. All right, is powered through the 10 amp fuse, fuse three. All right, do you have? If you went to that electrical relay for the blower motor, you should have a hot. You should have the pink white. You can tell where that is. You should have a hot coming in. You should actually have a hot coming in on two. You should have a hot coming in on two legs. 87 should be hot, which is the main 30 amp fuse. And 86 should be hot because that's coming off a of fuse three. So you should okay. have you should have two hots. You should have the pink white coming up and you should have a ground signal, which is the blower request coming out of the switch under the dash.
8: Well the switch underneath the dash around where the, your radio goes in that area, that's whole everything on it like you know, you're not being re- repeating, but it's just nothing's coming up. No voltage. nothing.
3: So the climate control assembly doesn't even light up? Nothing. Okay. Now you got a separate problem. Now you got to go and find out why that's not lit up. Your, okay. pro- your problem isn't in the blower motor. Your problem is why isn't the climate control, and that's going to be a matter of do you have power and ground. If you've got power and ground inputs to that climate control assembly, then you've got to have a bad climate control assembly. There's nothing left.
8: So the climate control assembly you're talking about for the three gauges are your temperature fan heat and all that your ac and all that little box right there below the radio that's what you're talking about
3: well i'm i'm talking about the climate control assembly is the assembly that has the fan switch in it
8: right i know where you're talking about yes that whole system's dead okay no no power
3: focus on that that's why that's why the blower's not working Okay. All right, and that's going to be a matter of: Do you have power going into that assembly, and you Nothing. have ground? You should have ground at G two hundred one, if I remember right. And that's a so, sim- that's a simple ground location. If you've got if you've got power and ground, and it doesn't light up, you've got a bad assembly.
8: Well, there's like I said, the the one that controls the fan speed for the fan, that switch. I've got that unplugged. That's where I was outside checking it right then. Again, all four of those connectors are. No shoes going to
3: them. But, we don't you know, care. We like don't. Yeah, but we don't. We don't care about those, Stanley. Okay. Those don't. Those have nothing. That you know, if 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 the if the climate control assembly doesn't light up, all right, it has no power yeah. to it. Then it has no control. It has to provide that climate control assembly has to apply ground to the relay to energize the blower. If that climate control assembly is not working, the blower's never going to work. Focus on the climate control assembly, power and ground in, and start from there. Call me back with more. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this.
2: Follow The Global Story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. We're
3: on the name of The Car Doctor. Helen Foley writes in on the Facebook page. Hey, Ron, just curious. Were you saying, this is a response to a recent comment I made this show, this hour, were you just curious, were you saying that if there's a warning light appearing, it prevents other warning lights from appearing, like the vehicle is capable of showing only one warning advisory light at one time? I'm just curious about this. You know what, Helen? Great question. You're paying attention, and I really really admire that. Um, What I'm saying is that if a check engine light is set for one particular fault, depending on the fault, Other tests that the computer normally runs to test all of its systems may not run. It may prevent it because it can't get an accurate reading. For example, if a vehicle sets an oxygen sensor fault code, the car may not run its catalytic converter self-test because it uses the oxygen sensor to evaluate the cat. So if you let the O2 sensor fault go and then finally fix it, you may find out six, eight months after you hadn't fixed it and ran the vehicle ragged that you've created and done damage to the catalytic converter. Other warning lights for other systems are likely to work. It doesn't interfere with that. I hope that cleared it up, Helen. You keep them coming. I'll keep answering them. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anani and The Car Doctor. Thanks for being here. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.